It's Quaich on It's Nick here, and you're listening to TFUV 101.9 FM. Broadcasting from the traditional territories of the Songhees, Esquimalt, and Husanich people. You're listening to CFUV 101.9 FM. I'm Zira Hino, and I'm your host for You in the Ring. On the previous episode of this two-part miniseries, we covered topics such as what it means to dress queer, flagging, how it relates to community and safe spaces, as well as the commodification of queer culture. Make sure to give a listen to part one to hear the interview of UVic students Lindsay Skelton and Rachel Lee if you haven't already. In this episode, we're hearing from Noel Kosman, an African-American-born Canadian who is working in the fashion industry in Vancouver. I asked Noel similar questions that I asked Rachel and Lindsay, with more focus on his experience as a BIPOC queer individual. My name is Noel Kosman. My pronouns are he, him, his. Um, in terms of Victoria, I actually just finished school there. So I just finished my major in psychology and minor in sociology. Um, but originally I'm from a small town in Northern BC called Smithers, which is like way, way, way up there, kind of in between um, Prince George and Prince Rupert. So very Northern, very small. Um, yeah, I just finished my degree at UVic in December, and then my convocation is this upcoming June, so two months from now, which is really, really exciting. Um, so a little bit of background. Um, I'm African-American. I was born in Chicago, and then I was adopted and brought to Canada, so my extended family is Caucasian. That adds a bit of context, just because I haven't grown up in, like, his, like I haven't grown up in BIPOC spaces, and being in those BIPOC spaces is something that I have kind of recently discovered through like going to school in Victoria and moving to Vancouver and stuff like that. But definitely growing up, I wasn't exposed to that as much. Intersectionality adds layers. So being white, you know, that's already kind of perceived as like the standard socially. And then being queer is adding a level onto that. So you're already perceived as the standard and then being queer is kind of something that's perceived as something that deviates from that standard. Whereas being a person of color, like you're already kind of deviating from that Caucasian standard. And then being a queer person of color, that adds like another degree to that, another level of that. So I feel like my, my experience is a little bit unique in the sense that, yes, I have, I was raised in like a white household and like my extended family is white, but like, I'm a visible minority, like I'm a visible person of color. So I've already had to kind of, I've already had to like think about that since I've grown up and then realizing that I was queer, that adds like another layer of um, another degree to that. And then also like yeah, being adopted, that adds like another layer. So I feel like I've always known that I've been like quite different. Um, and like maybe the reason why I haven't delved so much into um, queer style and stuff like that is because I've really wanted to I don't know, kind of be under the radar and kind of diminish myself because I have so many differences from like this aforementioned like standard. Um, so I feel like in that I kind of subdued myself a little bit and kind of just wanted to, yeah, again, fly under the radar and just not set myself apart too much. But I think through growing up and becoming an adult and having the privilege to like go to university and meet different people, I definitely came into myself a lot more. And although I'm not like 
inherently part of that standard. I feel like I've gotten more comfortable in myself to allow myself to be able to like dress the way that I want and kind of do what I want. Um, I don't know, I feel like my fashion is pretty concurrent, whether I'm at work or um, just having my day off. Like I, I love to kind of juxtapose, like I'm wearing like really nice like pleated trousers. I love to do like a graphic tee or a plain t-shirt or a tank top. Or if I'm wearing um, denim, then I like to like layer it with like a tank top and a blazer or something. So kind of juxtaposing like business and like casual and kind of um, just like modern fashion in that sense. I feel like I've gotten to know my style so well that it's like the things that I wear are just innately things that I feel comfortable in. I feel like I never dress intentionally for like comfort or style, but I just as I kind of said before, like, I feel like my fashion is pretty concurrent. Um, so whether it's something that other people would perceive as like, you know, this is comfy clothes or not, like it's comfy for me. So I honestly feel most comfortable when, I don't know, when I look good and put together. And I'm just growing up, like my parents were always, always installed to me, like, you know, be cleanly, be clean, like always make sure that you're your shower and always make sure that you're like well put together and stuff like that and that's definitely something that I've carried with me um into like adulthood and I feel like it wasn't until I went to school and started because my degree is like in sociology and psychology and, like learning about how like social structures and racism and intersectionality kind of plays into everyday factors of my life that I realized that hey like maybe me being like a person of color like contributes to my need to always be perceived as like being put together and being cleanly. So I feel like that's something that um, is always on the back of my brain. And it always takes me a second to like, think about like, wait, actually that does play a large factor in how I go forth in the world and how I dress myself and how I wish to be perceived. I love that queer fashion is very free. And it's interesting because being a BIPOC, I feel like like we talked about about placing a lot of emphasis on like being cleanly and being perceived as like um, put together, but also being queer. I feel like there is a lot of freeness in that. So I'm very lucky to be BIPOC and queer. And I feel like it balances out. So while I do feel that inherent pressure as like a person of color to like be cleanly and stuff like that, I think my being queer and being around queer people, especially in Vancouver, because I just moved here in January, um, I'm just learning to be a lot more free and to let myself go and to wear things that like I wouldn't normally wear. So I'm finding a lot of inspiration um, in that as well right now. Just a lot more freeness and a lot more giving, cutting myself some slack. I do find it interesting that um, I feel like we are a little bit more free in terms of like fashion and whatnot. I find it interesting that like celebrities like Carrie Styles or white celebrities that like our queer to an extent are gaining all this notoriety for like being free with their fashion, wearing certain things, whereas like BIPOC people have been doing it for such a long time and have not achieved that wide of acclaim. Like Harry Styles is like known as this fashion icon and like even straight people very much idolize him, but it's like BIPOC people have been doing it forever. They've been doing it well forever too. Like they've been doing it a really good job, but they don't receive half as much notoriety, which I feel like is what I have a problem with. And again, like it's hard, like it's neither, it's neither either or, like it's not black or white, but I feel like things like that really frustrate me more so than like the average citizen, like dabbling in fashion. I think it's more so like culture giving notoriety to certain people, whereas 
like not noticing other people, crediting some people with like, wow, they're really changing the landscape of fashion, whereas other people are doing it forever. Like I really, I'm more focused on how society perceives and like allocates that acclaim. More so noticing like what kind of models people use to model on the website. But I think in terms of like style, I don't think it's ever been like inherently white for me or I've ever like thought about it in that sense. I'm more so about like representation, like again, in modeling and like marketing and advertisement and stuff like that, rather than like, I guess the actual pieces of clothes. It's like, who are you casting in these like advertisements and using on your e-commerce website? Like, is there enough diversity in that? I definitely am noticing that like, like a lot of fashion is inspired by like BIPOC fashion. And now that's in the mainstream and kind of linking that to who is modeling this fashion. Um, it is like, pretty whitewashed in terms of who's being casted um, to walk these runway shows and to be um, put on the e-commerce website. And that for me is like kind of red flag because a lot of these styles and a lot of these fits are inspired by people of color, which is why it's weird that like people of color aren't wearing these fits and being used to advertise these items of clothing. Queer culture can sometimes be interlaced with it being a trend, but I feel like if it's leading to more acceptance and leading to more people um, exploring. Um, I feel like it's a good thing overall. Later down the line, as we, as it continues to progress, it would be really nice to separate, like, you know, this is inherently queer culture. Like people are educating themselves on that rather than having it just be associated with the trend. But I think inherently as to where we're at, like it, it is kind of a good thing that it is more in the mainstream, whether it's a trend or not, like it's still, leading people to explore themselves, leading people to explore their inherent personal style, and also leading people to kind of, I don't know, do more research as to the roots of all of these trends, whether it's by accident or on purpose. Um, I still think that's inherently a good thing. Queer style is just freedom and wearing what you feel comfortable in and wearing, um, you know, what you feel like is core to yourself. And we kind of talked about how you know, you kind of second guess yourself and you're like, oh, like I see other people wearing this, like, should I be wearing that? But at the end of the day, like the things that people are wearing, you would hope are, you know, what they want to be wearing. Like those are things that they feel their best self in. And if that's not something that you feel like would reflect your best self, then of course that's not something that you need to wear, but it's just like being authentic to yourself and just having the freedom to choose what you wear and how you perceive yourself and how um, you want others to perceive you just having that inherent freedom I feel like is very core to queer fashion as a whole and again like nothing's black or white but just having those shades of gray and just kind of erasing like the binary like being inspired by men's fashion women's fashion non-binary fashion just like being inspired by whatever you feel reflects yourself I think is like such a core tenant of queer fashion so I feel like yeah that's what people should focus on just that freedom in that sense when I was talking to Noel, we both related to each other about being a person of color and feeling the need to appear put together and cleanly. It's interesting to see it in the lens of people of color being held to a higher standard, not just in skills or intelligence, but even in physical appearance in order to be taken seriously. Intersectionality is important to understand because it acknowledges how different aspects of one's identity, such as gender, race, and sexuality, results in unique experiences, opportunities, and barriers for an individual. And just to reiterate Noel, Nothing is black or white. The perception of someone should not be limited to a singular aspect of their identity. 
In his experience as a black queer person who works in fashion, he recognizes how the industry is still not a fair playing field for people of color. Despite how a lot of current fashion and trending styles are inspired by the work of BIPOC individuals, they're often not given the credit they deserve and not celebrated as much as their white counterparts. There have also been cases where larger companies have been accused of stealing designs from small businesses and artists from marginalized groups. An example of this can be seen with the popular fast fashion retail company Sheen. In an article published by Fashion Magazine on June 16th of 2021, it reports Sheen accused of stealing from small designers again. The title itself alludes to the repetitive nature of how marginalized groups again and again are given the short end of the stick. The article brings attention to designer Mariama Diallo, founder of clothing line Sincerely Ria. She accused Sheen of stealing her dress design and selling it for a cheaper price on their website, and criticized major brands for continually stealing from black designers. Of course, not everyone has the financial means to always buy ethically and locally. But I encourage everyone to do what they can to amplify and support BIPOC and local artists and businesses. Reflecting on Noel being inspired by men's, women's, and non-binary fashion, the gendering of clothes is something that I personally have had conflicts with. So I wanted to hear Rachel and Lindsay's thoughts on this. I was also curious to hear their thoughts on fashion being seen as a vain pursuit. Hate it. Boo. Tomato. All around. Tomato, tomato, tomato. Um, I don't think it's necessary at all. Um, I think that, what does that even mean? Like, who decides what that is? Also, the amount of times that I've been shopping, like, in the quote-unquote men's section, and I've gotten, like, weird looks and stuff like that, um, just makes my relationship to gender so much more complicated. Um... So I don't know. I Basically, it's just bad. All around, don't gender clothing. It's a piece of cloth that we put on our body. Yeah, I think that, like, for, like, the only way I can see it being positive is it being gender affirming for trans people to be able to step into, like, like a space that they identify with. But even in that sense, let's validate or let's validate trans people's experiences outside of clothing so they don't have to seek it out exactly that's what i was gonna say i was like if you need that and if you want that like for a personal choice Mm -hmm. obviously you can label whatever you need but outside of like your own personal needs um don't the last time i paid attention to any sort of gender divide in clothing stores is non-existent like even all throughout high school like when i was not even out i was still shopping in the men's section or doing whatever it's so much cheaper so i mean i hope that in some way i'm setting an example for other people to be able to come forward and like if they're feminine presenting feel free to step into the men's section with me we can shop in there but i honestly don't think that that's even where the struggle is coming from anymore i think that we've like all people are pretty much comfortable crossing the boundary um between the men's and women's section it's just the expectation the societal expectations attached to those clothing when you wear them that's become the issue now and i'm guilty of that like it takes so much retraining to do um and i think the biggest thing that or the biggest change that i've had to be like consciously aware of is if i see someone who I recognize as a woman simply because of the clothes they're wearing. I recognize a man simply because of the clothes they're wearing because they're wearing traditionally ordinary male or female type clothing. Um, To not automatically associate that or to catch myself automatically associating that with their gender, 
um, which is something you'd think as a non-binary person I'd be pretty good at or already doing. Um, but it's so deeply ingrained in us that it still happens every single day. Um, so I think the work that I'm doing to subvert these categories is to just check myself constantly on the way that I assume people's genders based on what they're wearing. But it's like interesting now, I, I have a hard time shopping in the women's section just because when I do it, either like any of the clothing that I find there, um, it makes me super dysphoric a lot of the time. Um, and I have that uncomfortable feeling that people are perceiving me in that way when it's, which again is a matter of like checking myself and it shouldn't be like that um, for me either. And again, as a non-binary person, I should, I guess not should, um, but I would want to like have that mindset of just like, you know, just complete fluidity um, and such. So like, that's, that's a super interesting that I will find myself unpacking in the next year or two, I very much predict for myself. That's so funny you say that because like when I was talking about that, I was very much placing myself as a woman entering into the men's section, um, which is so not the experience that I first of all identify with or non-binary trans people identify with. So thank you for bringing that up. Like that's super dysphoric to shop in the women's section. It still goes the other way too. Like, it still definitely is not just uncomfortable for feminine presenting people to enter the men's section. It's so dysphoric for people who are getting misgendered, have been socialized as a woman to enter into the women's section and have the expectations tied to that, um, which is so real and something that I definitely should have touched on there. Style is like always being something that's been very important. For, from a young age, I was taught this is how you express yourself. I was always invited to dress myself however I wanted to, so I wore some really wacky outfits growing up. My style is pretty important to me in the fact that it needs to feel less like a costume and more just like something that is an extension of myself. It, it's pretty important, not, maybe not as much as some people. I really take value in like where I find clothes, where I thrift them, what brand they're from, the quality, that kind of thing, and it doesn't always show to other people, but to me it's really important. When I'm wearing an outfit that I don't like, it impacts me a lot. I don't feel like myself. I don't interact with the people around me in the same way. Yeah, especially this last year, I feel really proud of the style that I've developed and how different periods of my life, how are I see them peppered um, into my style and also the different aspects of my personality. How, what I'm wearing, really does correlate to how I feel a lot of the time. If I'm leaving the house and something that I don't feel comfortable with or I don't like think particularly vibes with what I'm feeling, especially because I wake up in the morning and I feel different pretty much every single day. And so when that happens, like if I'm out and about, I'm like, ooh, don't really love what I'm wearing right now. I feel icky and I feel super perceived in ways that I really don't want to even just like for myself and it's just like not a good feeling and I'll get home and I'll like change my clothes and it just changes my entire day like an like my whole mood will change based on what I'm wearing not yeah and I don't like place my value in what I'm wearing it's just like I value the ability to be able to express myself like that yeah, yeah. very much that it's not it's not about how I look it's about how I feel and how I'm expressing myself 
Um, but also, so like inherently, no, I don't think that fashion is a vain pursuit just because it is so much about how I feel and how I express myself. But also, like, I'm an advocate for vanity. If you want to be vain, go ahead. <laughs> like, I feel like our, our idea and our villainization of vanity is so misogynistic just because it's so tied to, like, women being, like, obsessing about their hair and stuff like that. Cool. Obsess about your hair. As long as you're doing it for you and not because of how other people are seeing or judging you, like, do whatever you want. I'm super vain. I love looking at myself. I love, like, making myself look good. Um, and I spend a good amount of time and money doing that. And it is vain because it is about how I look. Um, but I'm doing it for me. So it also becomes about how I feel and how I'm expressing myself. I'm going to be a much more pleasant person to be around if I'm feeling happy with myself. Like, if I'm feeling happy with myself, it's just going to be more comfortable for me and for you. Like, mm-hmm. just, like, point, period, blank. Yeah. Um, and also just, like, it's super fun to, like, pay attention to details and, like, um, add this and add that and, like, go through that extra, like, I don't know. Whether it's, like, when you're buying the things or when you're just putting them together, it's a whole process. Um, And again, like, putting together an outfit is a process and, like, a creative outlet. It really is. Um, And it's, like, something that you can be proud of. You're like, oh, I really put together my fit today. It's, it's, yeah, it's good. Also, all this broadly just fits into confidence, too, and it affects how I talk and interact with people and so much of my identity and personality is based on my confidence um which I think everyone can attest to um and like fashion and how I look and how I present myself has a huge role in that like the first thing um like when you asked me how I felt about my outfit I was like these boots make me feel powerful you know like they make me feel confident which affects how I talk to people and how I feel in class and how I feel at work you know there is so much value in feeling comfortable in yourself and what you wear When shopping, especially during Pride Month, you may notice an abundance of rainbows. Rainbows are known to be a symbol of the LGBTQ plus community. More recently, it seems like this symbol has been used by large companies as a sort of facade that they care and are allies. However, not much else is done to show true support. And you can notice this when the rainbows start to disappear, the moment June ends. I wanted to hear Rachel and Lindsay's opinions on the rainbow. I do love a good rainbow, but it's also not the only thing I know. I get a lot of mail from my mother, and as soon as my mother kind of like found out that I was queer, it's all rainbow. The only thing I receive from her in the mail is like rainbow stickers, rainbow this, rainbow that. I'm like, that's cool. But you know, I love the color green. I love the color brown. Maybe send me things that are those. Um, But I honestly don't have, like, I like a rainbow. I think it's, like, I don't know, the color's cool. I haven't really put too much thought into it, to be honest. Um, But I also don't like how it's, like, a commodity now for a lot of, like, everywhere. Um, And also just, like, blatantly smacked places just to be like, oh, we support the queer community when it's, like, yeah. Yeah, it's been super co-opted by capitalism to to bring in profit um, and to exploit customers on their the basis of their identity and um, and whatnot, which is ridiculous because it's what 
like capitalism capitalism is the system that's reproducing the type of homophobia that requires us to seek out these things that are signaling us in um so it's very much a reproducing cycle um and it is really like it's cool that we have that symbol um and in the past i feel like it's been super beneficial and liberating um now i appreciate the history of it but it's really general like it's really general like i'm really specific in how i identify like i am specifically a lesbian and i want attention drawn to the fact that i am not attracted to men and when you know we're placed all under this umbrella of just the rainbow like cool that's a sense of community and we're all in this together but we all have really like hyper specific experiences with what it means to be gay um and i feel like the rainbow can get a little bit generalizing in that sense um but not to condemn the the rainbow's symbolism for that it's to condemn society for not educating itself on the individual experiences of different different gay people and and identities within the gay community well put. yeah i have to agree with that completely mm-hmm. Throughout the process of making this episode, I really appreciated being able to have these conversations and be a part of this community. The main thing I would hope for you to take away is that queer identities and queer culture is incredibly complex. And having an open mind and being open to learning and talking about these concepts is a great way to create safe and accepting spaces. I think just like educate yourself on like ask your queer friends if they had the time and energy to offer you an explanation ask them what their style means to them and how they might think that you're contributing to or harming their perception of like queerness and identity through what you're wearing if you're a straight person or if you're not a straight person and you want to explore that again ask for advice on how to do that in in a respectful way um yeah i think awareness is the biggest thing um please take a gender studies class if you can. It is so helpful and provides so much context to so many of the things that we're talking about today. Yeah, I think the biggest theme from this is just commodification. Um, the commodification of queer spaces when we were talking about like gay bars, the commodification of queer fashion um, and how like the tokenization of that is used um, to signal coolness and whatnot. Um, and just be aware that queer identities are not a commodity and if you are dressing queer because you're using it as a commodity don't don't do it it is not something that is meant to make you look more cool going to queer spaces is not something that you're meant to do because it's cute being queer is not a commodity it's a lifestyle and treat it as such As mentioned in this episode, taking a gender studies course like Gender 100 at UVic can provide some awesome context to conversations around gender and the gender binary. If a university course isn't accessible, we wanted to share some other free digital resources. There are a variety of free courses available online, including Queering Identities, LGBTQ+, Sexuality, and Gender Identity, offered through Coursera by the University of Colorado. You can check out more options by searching Gender Studies course on Coursera. A shorter video to watch about LGBTQ identities is PFLAG's What the Plus, Understanding and Supporting Expansive LGBTQ Identities Recording and Training Toolkit. If you'd like to listen to more podcasts, CFUV's Taking Up Space podcast has episodes including Gender Magic, Gender Identity and Sexuality, 
and You Better Work to End the Gender Binary Parts 1 and 2 that you can check out at CFUV Podcasts or by visiting cfuv.ca. Links to the resources mentioned will be accessible through the show notes of this episode. This episode was produced by Zia Rahino with help from Nicola Watts. Thank you to our guests Noel Kosman, Lindsay Skelton, and Rachel Lee. This program would not have been possible without the support of the University of Victoria and the Work Study Program. Intertrack produced by Zia Rahino. If you like what you heard, check out other episodes of You in the Ring and subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. And that's like kind of what I have as a style icon right now. You know that really fun trend or like just on TikTok, it's like, oh, my fashion icon. Oh, that one fish off of Finding Nemo. <laughs> yeah, legit. Only only queer people will understand. It's like, oh, that one talking garbage can. Oh, like, oh my gosh, those are so fun. So probably same. I relate. The talking garbage can? Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's your style icon? Um, maybe a garbage can. <laughs> and Elmo. <laughs> On a good day. Elmo shaving his body. <laughs> On a good day.